You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Family Matters. So on our Family Matters feature this morning, we are having a conversation about the importance of play um, for your child's development. Uh, Early childhood development is quite critical. um, And it's that critical window for development in any child's life. This is where your children develop foundational skills, language, numeracy, visual, even motor skills, you know, cognitive development. And many parents know, I think, the importance of play in their children's development, but they rarely associate play um, with learning. Uh, And whether it's play at a preschool level, right, they never associate it with actually crucial learning. And it's important that we do because in that play, children get to explore. They get to make sense of the world around them as well as provide an opportunity for them to use their imagination and creativity. Um, And then it improves their cognitive, physical, social, and and emotional well-being. I want to know from you this morning how important play is in your household, right? Do you have a rich learning and playing environment with toys, games, and books for your children? How much have you prioritized stimulation for your young kids and and how can you help your child learn through play i'm interested in your inputs and if you've got questions on how you can help your own children we'll also take calls on questions and my guests can answer those the number to dial is 011-883-0702 if you prefer to send us a whatsapp voice note that's 072-702-1702 that's where you can send that whatsapp voice note too Let's now introduce the guest who will be guiding us through this discussion, Nikki Bush, who is a human potential and parenting code, um, parenting expert and author. Nikki, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for making time. Good morning, Clement. Do we actually look at play as this crucial thing that, I mean, you're going to be telling us that it is, or do we look at it as uh, that's just children um, having fun? And why is it important for us to shift our thinking around play when it comes to our children? Great question, Clement. You know, there really is a very strong link uh, between play poverty, also known as low play lives, And this in turn can lead to what we call a play gap, which then leads to gaps in a child's learning. And ultimately, believe it or not, a play gap can result in a skills gap. And that leads to potential unemployment. And in our country, we know that the bedfellow to unemployment is crime. And learning through play is actually deceptive in that learning is not always obvious in the way that learning might be in a formal learning environment where a child is tested. So, Clement, I think that we we have this idea generally in society that when kids are playing, oh, they're just kind of frittering away the time. They're mm. just having fun. But incidental learning in the formative years is absolutely crucial. And we have to get beyond this very narrow view of learning that thinking and learning only happens between the covers of books or on a digital screen or within the four walls of a classroom 
at school. And mm. while we hand over the education to our children largely, to the education department, to the school, to the teachers, there is so much that parents could and should be doing with their children and should be more aware of. Mm. I imagine even ahead of their children starting school, how important is stimulating your child to ensure that school readiness? And how do parents create that environment, Nikki, that's going to ensure that there is enough play and there are even enough resources to stimulate the child's mind during play? Clement, play is a multi-sensory experience and it takes place in multiple dimensions. So in the early childhood years, and we really are talking today about the importance of birth to age nine. So this is the toddler years, the preschool years, and into the foundation phase. So this should be characterized, this period, mostly by very real and concrete learning experiences. And what do we mean by that? It's that the children engage with activities with their whole mind and with their whole body. And play really is an opportunity to make a child's thinking visible, you know, long before they maybe have the vocabulary, long before they can perhaps write, they can still make their thinking visible through play. They can put their own thoughts and ideas to the test when they play. And kids really do thrive on making things happen, on testing their natural curiosity. And Clement, so many parents come to me and they say things like, you know, Nikki, I'm sure my two-year-old or my four-year-old or my six-year-old has ADD, attention deficit disorder or hyperactivity deficit disorder, because they're so busy. Mm. And I, I always laugh and I say, you know what? Children are born curious and they're born busy. This is how they discover the world around them. This is how they work out their own impact on the world around them, their place in the world. And so much of early childhood development is all about curiosity. The curiosity is what drives the discovery. And the discovery is what drives the search for meaning. And whether it is a child who's crawling and wants to find out what's around the corner or what's behind the couch, or whether it is a child who's becoming a baby, who's becoming a toddler because now they can stand up. Now they see the world from a very different place. It's much higher, much higher up. Now they can look down on the world. Their curiosity mm. is peaked once again. Then they, they are able to move. They can walk. They can go from one place to another. Once again, the whole world gets bigger for them. There's so much more to explore. And often with busy parents today, Parents want to contain their children. They want to keep them in one place. And mm. so, of course, the default is to put them in front of a screen. Because the minute mm. you do that, they will sit mm. still. They I'll won't ask for you. <laughs> or get any kind of screen, whether it's a mobile phone, whether yeah. it's a computer, whether it is PlayStation, whatever it is, you know as a parent that it makes a great babysitter. And yet the problem is that it... In the foundation phase, when I said, you know, they need concrete learning experiences, they need real interactions with the world, with people, with objects, with toys and games, with other children, 
And children are developing on so many different levels, social, mental, emotional. You know, you mentioned cognitive learning. There is no learning if we aren't in a group. Children need to be interacting with others. They need to be sharing. They need to be teaming up with children. They need to be competing with children. They need to be uh, learning when it's their turn. They need to be winning. They need to be losing. There's so many different facets to learning. And parents actually today have a very limited view of what learning is. We need to expand that view. We need to understand that creating that rich learning environment could be many different things. It could be making sure that your child has toys and games and books. Mm. If you don't, if you're not a well-resourced family, don't despair. There is so much that you can make out of waste that can be used to teach your children perceptual skills. Uh, another way of helping children learn is to arrange play dates, to have other children around to play. It could be having another family round on a weekend for a meal where children have to get along with each other, where they have to share their home and their toys with other children. And there's a lot of this that parents are unaware of, that children actually absorb a lot of things via osmosis. Via osmosis. You see, learning, and this is what Albert Einstein said, learning is experience, everything else is just information. So when we talk about acquiring those early perceptual skills and we can get into what some of those are, a child can't learn those unless they're doing stuff. They can't learn them from a book. They can't learn them because an adult says, um, we need to improve your auditory memory. We need to improve your, your, your shape perception. We need to improve your fine motor coordination. That's not going to teach a child anything. But there are so many fun ways that we can teach our children at home. And then, of course, the other critical missing piece, Clement, is that play-based preschool is a really important part of the puzzle of school readiness. And also, it is the foundation for all academic learning later on. And very sadly, in South Africa, most of our children do not have the gift of a preschool education. At mm. best, they're getting grade R. And grade R, while it is critical, is not enough to prepare them for school if they haven't had a lot of parental support and intervention and stimulation or if they haven't been through a good preschool program because mm. so many of the perceptual skills are laid down through play. Yeah. Take us through some of those skills, um, Nikki, because uh, you're talking to about to us about the importance, um, and you've just outlined now, of those playful experiences and interactions with you know, whether it's household objects, you know, nature, toys, um, if there are resources to get toys and, and games, what skills are these young ones getting in that formative stage of their lives when they are playing and, and experiencing um, mm. things? Mm. This is so key, Clement. So we're talking about perceptual skills and perception is becoming aware of the world through the senses. It's the way in which the brain interprets all the thousands of messages it receives through the eyes, 
the ears, through the sense of touch, taste, and smell. And there are two hidden senses, the vestibular sense, which is all about the sense of balance, which is in the inner ear. And then you've also got the proprioceptive sense. And that's where you judge speed, space, and distance. So how do you eventually work out how hard to kick a ball or how hard to maybe push somebody out of the way without hurting them? Um, so those are, are, are formulated, um, by children going up and down a jungle gym, going down a slide. Uh, it's these kinds of things that are really important. So perception is through the five senses as well as those two hidden senses. So say, for example, um, eye hand coordination. So let's start with eye-hand coordination because every parent understands that when their child goes to school, they're going to have to be able to hold a pen, a pencil, or a crayon. And those three fingers, Clement, if, if anybody's listening right now and they've got a pen in front of them, pick up your pen and look at the three fingers you're using to hold that pen. So our children need to do a lot of activities where they actually practice what we call the pincer grip or the tripod grip, which is these three fingers, which are holding onto the pen or the pencil. And children can do this in many ways, um, whether they are, for example, doing threading with threading laces and pushing the threading lace through macaroni or plastic shapes, for example, whether they are picking up little smarties off the kitchen counter, whether they're picking up raisins and putting them into their mouths. You see how easy it is to actually stimulate this tripod grip. Mm. But but most parents aren't aware that every time your child practices picking something up with those three fingers, your thumb and the next two fingers, they're actually getting great practice for holding a pen or a pencil. And then you could teach your children how to do things like finger knitting, good old-fashioned finger knitting, um, and playing with any small objects will give them that opportunity. Pushing a, a toothpick into jelly tots will actually give them that exercise as well. And then you've got something, and I'm just picking some off a very long list here, Gross motor coordination, uh, gross motor coordination is about the coordinated movement of the large muscles of the body. And here we're talking about legs, arms, the neck, the buttocks, the back. And that's why gross motor activities like playing on jungle gyms, climbing trees, riding bicycles, swimming in a swimming pool, running and playing catches with your friends in the garden or in the street, playing sport, cricket, kicking balls, hitting balls, etc. Those are all important things for developing the big muscles of the body. And muscle tone is very, very close to gross motor coordination. So when a child finally goes to big school, so we're talking when they go to grade R, grade one, they're going to have to sit in a chair and they're going to have to be able to sit comfortably for at least 20 minutes at a time. And that means they have to have core strength, which is your abdominal muscles, the muscles in your back, in your arms, your legs, your buttocks, and your neck. And if a child can't sit comfortably because they have low muscle tone, all that concentration that should be focused on the lesson is going to be going into holding their body upright in the chair. And there's going to be a lot of fidgeting 
and leaning on elbows and and you know moving the body all the time because they don't have the strength to hold themselves up for long enough in a chair because what have they been doing at home probably lying on the couch watching mm. tv or gaming can you see how how there's this link between active play where the whole body and the mind is engaged strengthening all those muscles as well as giving the child the opportunity to explore the world and actually being able to focus and concentrate in a classroom one day. And we as the parents are the gatekeepers. We're the parents who determine how much TV our children watch, how much gaming they do, whether they socialize with other children, whether they actually are playing with games and toys that are stimulating these early developmental skills. And here's the other one, and here's the kicker. Are we actually spending any time playing with our children? You cannot send a preschool child off to play by themselves if they haven't already had a blueprint developed by you as a parent of this is how we play together. Because they won't develop a love of play if you haven't been involved in the process. Parents need to understand that they are the brightest crayon in the child's crayon box. They are the brightest toy in the toy box. And if we pay attention to our children, our children will pay attention to the activity at hand. So if we want to teach our children how to concentrate, it starts first with us, with how engaged we are in the activities. And then our children learn to be engaged. And I'm sitting here with a very long list of about, I think, uh, 30 different perceptual skills. And I've just mentioned two. Um, and and I can go on, um, but you might have a question for me before I continue. Yo, yeah, and I mean, the ones you're mentioning, Nikki, so important. And it's just making me realize how, you know, sometimes, you know, parents develop that, I mean, they delay that overall development of their child um, when they're not creating that environment where the children can play and they can actually play with your children, as you say. As a parent, you are the brightest crayon, you are the brightest toy. What about parents who, and and I don't know how intentional parents need to be about the sneaky, but there are some, you know, parents who live in these high, you know, walls, you know, homes. So it's not so easy to, especially in this day and age where we we used to say it takes a village to raise a child. Right now, (laughs) you can't even trust your 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 neighbor you can't trust you know the fellow guy who's passing by so it's not easy for children to just play around even in the streets or with the neighbor so how can parents be intentional about getting their kids to socialize with other kids especially in this day and age where kids often are led to play by themselves at home Mm. because parents feel well it's just safer to do so You know, you've just raised a very important point. You've just mentioned the fact that even parents who are well-resourced might not actually be encouraging play. And so the point is that children from all ends of the spectrum, whether they're vulnerable children, children in orphanages, or children who come from homes where there isn't a lot of money are actually sitting with exactly the same challenge and problem as children who come from well-resourced, high-income households. Everybody is suffering from what we call play poverty because nobody is understanding that play is the language of childhood. And it's also a child's natural way of dealing with stress, 
and anxiety because they can play out their emotions and express themselves when they don't have the words with which to say how they're feeling. And the whole of society really needs to wake up to the sheer power and importance of play in a child's early development. We need to start connecting the dots between low play lives and this skills gap and how it impacts on numeracy, literacy, and overall employability. So play poverty is not something that only people without resources suffer from. And you use the word intention. And I think that there are two words here. The one is we need to pay attention as parents to our children and to what is important really important in child development. And I promise you the skiing holiday in France, the second holiday home and expensive holidays and expensive cars are not what are going to get your children to the future safely. It's actually more about paying attention to the relationship you have with your children and the kind of skills you need to be developing and what you can do at home to support what is happening in preschool and primary school. And then you need to be intentional. And I've said it before, you need to make social engagements happen with other families so that yeah. your children, children can be socialized. And it's not happening nearly enough. And it's often happening in restaurants. Um, and that, that too is not a real life situation. It would be better if you can't have people around your home, maybe it's too small to meet in a public park. And here's the reason why. Children actually really flourish when they have wide open spaces. And you mentioned high walls. And high walls are there for a reason. We don't live in a safe society. And so we do have to be very, very awake and aware about crime. But as parents, if you organize something in a public space, and you're all intentional and on purpose, and you're awake and aware, um, you can keep your children mm. safe and they can have an environment in wide open spaces. Yeah. Children get so much joy from being able to run freely, from being able to go and feed the ducks on the edge of the lake, um, from playing ball. And, mm. and this is where I think parents underestimate yeah. that 10 minutes when they come home from work and a lot of parents work today most most parents are yeah. working Nikki, full time yeah nick i'm going to take the latest in eyewitness news headlines and then we'll continue the the conversation after the news it's just after 11 o'clock 702 family matters all right let's go back to the conversation we're having on our family matters feature we are discussing the importance of play in your child's development nikki bush has done an incredible job in helping us understand those skills that come with your child experiencing and experimenting and playing. If you've got some input, some of you have got some questions, uh, give us a call or send us a WhatsApp voice note. Let's start with Silas, who's calling us from Randbeck. Silas, good morning. Morning, Clement. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm good, brother. Um, yeah, no, it's a very interesting topic you guys are speaking about. We, ve we feel very strongly about this whole outside play thing for the kids. Mm. Mm, so with us, essentially, um, we started on this whole kind of journey with the kid and outside is when my wife was pregnant about um, two and a half years ago. And in that pregnancy, we made a pact that 
because she didn't want to obviously deal with pregnancy things too much. We decided we we're going to go to the park as often as possible. And that started as like every other second day. And eventually it was just an everyday thing. You know, we walked for most of that pregnancy. And at the end of her pregnancy on the last day, also walked, the guy came through. And it wasn't long after that where mm. we started taking our son out and about. And this guy, to this day, he loves being in the park. I pick him up from school. Wow. Park We go straight to the park. And mm. it's also good for his development in the sense of how he interacts with the world, animals, other children. It's not a structured world environment. So he's free to be himself. Yeah. And we've seen amazing benefits from being oh, wow, with that child for his development. Oh, that's amazing, Silas. And Nikki did talk about the importance of that open environment as well. Like, parks are actually the best. Um, thank you for sharing uh, your experience uh, with us, Silas. Nikki, any reflections on what Silas is saying? And, and I would like you to also comment on what Rele Bukhile said earlier about children sometimes who, you know, parents consider them as naughty when they are playing around and experimenting and experiencing new things. And she says with her child, she tries and integrate play into her life. So when she's in the kitchen cooking, she'll give the kids um, perhaps, you know, Tupperware yeah, to play around with it. Does that no, help? So I heard, yeah, I heard what she was saying. And, and I have a workshop called Parenting on the Run, which is how you integrate uh, play with your children in your chores, what you have to do anyway, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, shopping, in the car. You have to make that time count and you have to make it playful time. Because for some of us, for most parents, it's the only time you do have with your children. And then to go on to what Silas had to say, I just absolutely love it. Outdoor play with his son. And what he's getting so right is the fact that he is using this time to bond emotionally with his son. He collects him from school. They go straight to the park. He's creating amazing memories. They're moving, and movement should never be underestimated in, in early childhood development. So there's movement, there's learning, there's bonding. Now, bonding with a parent is critical to your child's effective learning. Unbonded children find it much harder to learn than bonded children. So take the time to build your relationship with your child because it's going to foster a much easier learning experience once your child gets into more abstract learning in upper primary school and high school if they've had good foundations in terms of a relationship with their parent, an emotional relationship, a bond, and these bonds do not happen in a vacuum. And it's not your child's responsibility to build that bond with you. It's your responsibility to build that bond with your child. And um, we had, you said there were some people sending in messages asking what kind of games should yes, they get yes, hold yes. of. Right. Let me answer yeah. that question because there are two that yeah. I really think people should look for. And these are highly affordable games. They come in at between 200 and 300 rand. And the first one, and by the way, any listener who wants to uh, get hold of, of me and, and join this conversation, go to Parenting Matters on Facebook, join the group. And right now we are putting these two products into the chat so that you can go and buy them. The first is called Geostacks, G-E-O-S-T-A-C-K-S. And right now I note that it's 195 Rand on Take A Lot. And no, they did not pay me to say that. I just quickly Googled it when you, when you said that people were asking. <laughs> yeah. And it is the classic 
And I say the classic perceptual skills game that every child in this country should have, rich, poor, and in between. Go and buy Geostacks. It is a shape, color, and quantity game. It has large plastic shapes with a hole in the middle. You can stack them on the stacking mast. You can thread them with a very, very special podgy fat threader. And then it comes with, I think it's 15 15 reversible um, skills cards for matching. And this game has a very, very good uh, instruction booklet. And if any parent takes the time to play with this game with their children from the age of a year right through to the age of five, you will be really supporting your children's perceptual skills development and supporting any learning that's happening in a preschool uh, that your child is attending. And for those whose children don't go to a preschool, this is going to give you some of the key skills that your child should be acquiring in these foundation years for reading, writing, and maths. They can All these are pre-reading, writing, and maths skills. I cannot recommend that product highly enough. I've been recommending it for 25 years. It is a classic product. The next one I want to talk about is something called Farm Friends Activity Set, and this is from Smart Play, and you're going to find this uh, online as well as usually in places like Westpac Lifestyle, and it has lots of little rubber farm animals. It has game cards. It has got, and this is what is really special about this game, um, it's got these big tweezers that children use to pick up these rubber three-dimensional animals and they can sort them they can match them listen to the words i'm using clement these are perceptual skills Mm. sorting matching categorizing putting the same color animals together finding all the cows finding all the ducks putting you know like with like this is how children develop the foundations for learning the difference between say the letter b and the letter d and the letter p There are visual uh, differences between those three letters, and they're quite subtle for a child. And if you can tell the difference between a duck and a cow, or a triangle and a circle, as we mentioned, the shapes in the GSX game, that is going to help your child start learning how to discriminate between different things. So visual discrimination is a key perceptual skill that your child needs to learn in the early years, as well as things like quantity. So what makes up five? What makes up 10? Children don't start by learning the number 10. They start by you saying things like, can you give me 10 animals? In this game, can you find me 10 shapes? Can you find me five circles and two rectangles? This is how we start with quantity. So we start with the concrete. We always start with the real. You can do it with household objects. You can buy a bag of apples from your local supermarket. And instead of you unpacking them, get your toddler to unpack them and count them. Yes. um, Do you see how easy this actually is? It's not difficult. What we need yeah. is a greater awareness. 
Mm, um, absolutely. So, Nikki, so please, if you're a parent and you want to look at what Nikki has just suggested, and some of you asking also about some toys that can be suggested, go to Parenting Matters on, on Facebook. And, and Nikki said she'll be posting um, about you know some of these games and toys. Nikki, we've got about two minutes left, and I want us to answer some of the questions that have come from our listeners. So, um, Abel, let's start maybe, let's play two voice notes, and I'll also read some of the text messages that have come through. Good morning, guys. Um, just a quick question. I have a three-year-old son. Um, so every time we're playing or maybe we, we sit on the couch or something, he he likes scratching and poking my eyes or like poking my my nose, but um, very violently. Not not violently per se, but as if he's he's intentionally trying to hurt me. So um, I'm not sure, is that a red flag maybe, or is, is that normal for, for that age? Morning, right, morning, you know what, uh, um, the, the most, uh, let me say, privileged children when it comes to playtime, the ones in rural areas. We grew up in rural areas. We got every minute of play every second of play everything although we didn't have money we didn't have this luxury but we played and i can see um it developed us it, it really developed us in terms of diy styles and so on we i think those in rural areas they've got a better chance of playtime than the ones in towns yeah and even the ones in townships they do have time to play but once in rural areas they've got plenty mm. and security wise it's not a threat as in urban areas thank you man for dear yeah thank you Agent. um just the, the the last two so there's one question about oh. a child who sometimes gets a little bit violent is it normal or not and then another question is what if my three-year-old is very very interested in books uh, do i let them be is that fine or should i still ensure that they're out there uh, playing Right. Okay. So Abel with the three-year-old boy with the um, scratching and hitting, etc. cetera, uh, he's obviously sensory seeking and you do get children who are, are sensory seeking and they're needing some different kind of input. Um, firstly, daddy is not for hurting. Daddy is not for hitting and scratching. So he's got to put up a boundary. Uh, if it continues, he may need to go to an occupational therapist for an assessment because some children who are too sensory seeking need things like deep pressure and brushing and things like that to calm them down. So that's wow. for Abel. Um, okay. The uh, comment about the books, um, absolutely, please encourage reading, please encourage books, but your child must still run and play and jump and kick balls and hit balls. Story time, reading is absolutely critical. We do, t we talk our children clever and we read our children clever. And don't uh, allow your child to just do books alone. Your voice is critical. So reading stories to children will in increase their word power, their vocabulary, and their love for books. And actually, children yeah. who do well in school, if you look at the house that they come from, there are often many books and there's lots of story mm -hmm. time. And then the comment about privileged children actually suffer from greater play poverty is very, very true. And we mentioned, we did touch on that earlier. Um, mm -hmm. but rural children have to be more creative and more resourceful yeah. because they don't necessarily have toys. Mm -hmm. And 
They do amazing stuff. So do not underestimate what is happening and they have the space for play. So absolutely, I agree with that. Mm. And we need to get town children playing more like rural children. That would be a great thing to do. Yeah, Nikki Bush, uh, thank you so much for making time. You're always great in helping us navigate these conversations. Parenting Matters on Facebook. Uh, Go check that out and you'll see some of the stuff that Nikki was talking about today.